Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Introducing the Corner Booth, a football podcast covering the latest trends and news in college football and the NFL. Here are your hosts, Jared and Mark. Welcome in, folks, Corner Booth Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Clem, alongside my host, Mark Riley. We have a How we doing? Today. We are ta- covering college football, uh, the college football final tonight, tonight, as well as NFL Wild Card Weekend. We got some coaches going different places in the NFL. We got quarterbacks declaring for the draft. And we got MLB free agent news. Big show. Check it out. We start now. Mark, what's happening, buddy? We're good. Crazy weekend. Good uh, football wild card weekend. Eagles pulled out a victory. We'll obviously get into that. But overall, I thought it was a good football weekend. Everyone was giving it crap because it's a lot of defense, but I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I have a little opinion about that towards the end of the show. But first off, we're going to start off with our six-pack games. And by the way, folks, we are now switching officially to our twice-a-week 45-minute podcast. We're going to do a show releasing on Tuesday and a show releasing on Friday every week. It, this time, it's just it works better for people because you know there's it's more content, but it's also easier for people to listen to. It just it works better for our schedules as well. So we hope you all enjoy it, and let's get right to it. First off, Mark, you got to talk Texan, uh, Texans Colts. Uh, I'm just gonna let you talk because God, it's gonna make me want to peel my ears inside out. I mean. I want to like yeah. I, I obviously everyone knows I'm Andrew Luck guy. Everyone knows you're an Andrew Luck hater. Um, like you said, you called me out on Twitter though. You made a good point. If he beats the Chiefs, that's when the real talks there. I mean, he's done already what I think's the unthinkable. As in, he couldn't throw a football three weeks before season, and now he's taking his team to the second round of the playoffs. But I mean, it was a weird game. Like they started off so hot, the Colts, and then I haven't seen Deshaun Watson look that bad. At, in mind, I've never seen him look that bad. I, you know, what's so funny? Like, it, I, my mom was watching the game. I was like doing stuff around my house. I was going taking care of errands, and I kept coming back in and out. And I come in the house, and she goes, "I'm watching this game. This Watson kid, did he win a title at Clemson?" I'm like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Here's the thing. He, it almost looked like they didn't show up. It was like almost like, oh, the Texans, like they were still in there, like, oh, we're playing Sunday mode, and the Colts were so revved up and ready to go. They had all the momentum." Then the Texans were like, oh, we're the defending AFC South champs twice in a row. What's – or no, not, not twice in a row. They, they didn't win last year. but uh, oh, Jacksonville did. Yeah, Jacksonville won last year because of Watson's injury. But they've won like four – haven't they won like – they've won like four or five in the last like they've, ten Three years. of the last four years they've been in the playoffs. But, I mean, they've had like random – like Osweiler was there. They had, like it's just been weird. But They've had like – Bill O'Brien deserves like a, a Pulitzer Prize for what he's done with the lack of quarterback talent. But essentially – you look right now, and you're in the game. Just it was so weird. You're right because the Texans, the Colts came out firing. It was twenty-one nothing. I'm like, oh, this game's over. Yeah. And then the Colts drive. Then the Texans drive right on the field and score. I'm like, uh, okay, we might have a game here. And then nope, not anymore. Game's over. I'm just. It's just like the game clock evaporated so fast in the second half, and it just. I think Watson just got gun shy. I mean, for- he wasn't. He was slinging it. It just they were off. Like he had a. Fourth and goal, I think, and he threw it to Hopkins. Hopkins, if you put it near him in this vicinity, it he catches low. it for touchdown. It was low on the ground. Like he was off his like um, he's not really a huge mechanic quarterback as it is, but he just he was slinging and it wasn't going. I mean, but the Colts defense, I don't know if it's Watson played bad or their defense is actually legit. I mean, they got the um, what's it called the rookie Leonard. He's yeah. amazing, looking amazing. You got you Marlon Mack. You got Millie Cooker over the top, yep. along with Mike Mitchell, which we don't know how his injury is going to look going forward. But um, and then you got Malik uh, or Marlon Mack in the backfield, just killing it. Yeah, here's here's what's so interesting, and this is why I won't give Luck all the credit in the world yet, is because you were giving me so much crap by Matthew Stafford. When Stafford had a good running game, he was a great quarterback this season. But carry on Johnson can stay healthy. Your boy Marlon Mack. Has made has made that Colts offense so balanced. Luck can sit back because nobody's blitzing. Because Mac, you saw on that run, 
he made like eight guys miss and broke it off for 30 yards. I'm like, all right, well, no wonder they're not stacking the box anymore on Luck. They got to respect the run now. So I, I agree. Luck's had a, okay, I will give you this. Luck has had a great season. It's not MVP worthy because number 25 has literally like made that offense so much more deadly. I agree. I mean, having a huge running game as like, and it's not even just Marlon Mack. They even have uh, Naheem Himes in the back. Like they have all these young guys too, like that are given. Well, Mack's the cornerstone, but like those well, are yeah. the change of pace guys. Yeah, but I think it's obviously a quarterback's going to be better off with a better running game. Exactly. So, all right, the next game will go with uh, an order and the Cowboys in Seattle. Oh, God. This game was just, oh, it was just defense, defense, defense. And it just looks like Seattle ran out of gas at the end of the game. Well, they ran. That's the whole point. They ran the whole entire game. They, like, didn't give Russell Wilson a chance to, like, do anything. And when they turned him loose, he hit that bomb to lock it. They were right inside the red zone. Yeah, exactly. Like when you find, like they, I don't know who if it was Schottenheimer or it was um, it was Pete Carroll. It you was, think? Oh, because like you know, Schottenheimer would, would know they've won this year. Yeah, running the ball, but they would have unless it was just Schottenheimer being stubborn because they've they've won by running the ball well all year with uh with Mike Davis and uh, their leading Chris rusher Carson. Chris Carson, yeah. and the two of them's one two punch is great. But here's the problem. Then you've got you've got one of the better deep ball quarterbacks in the league, and you've got one of the best deep threats. You've got probably one of the top three or four best deep threats in football in Tyler Lockett and a great receiver in Doug Baldwin. The heck are you doing not chucking that ball deep? It's uh, in general, it, like, it struggles when you throw the ball deep. Philadelphia proved that. Washington proved that. If you attack their secondary over the top, you can beat them. Yeah, I mean, and the other issue, Cowboys. the other issue, I think that the Seahawks watched that Colts game with against the Cowboys too much. Like, oh, if we get a ground game, and then that's when you – like, because Marlon Mack ran all over the Cowboys too. But Marlon but Mack is a better running back than Chris Carson. That is that is possibly true. Well, it's just like – it's like I couldn't believe they, they waited till the end of the game where everyone lost their bets because the spread was two and a half hours. Also, I know the videos are hilarious. But also yeah. the thing is, like, the Colts have, a be- have one of the best offensive lines in football. Seattle does not. They've, they had okay offensive line, but it's not like – it's not like Philadelphia, Dallas, Indianapolis, New England, or old New England, or old Giants. Like it's not like a good offensive line where you can just say, "Hey, hey, Chris Carson." The reason they were so good is because people are always worrying about Russell Wilson bootlegging out the back end or throwing it deep. They got to respect the pass, so that's why the running game was so good with Seattle. And Dallas kind of exposed why Seattle was a gimmick. And I've noticed this: gimmick teams are the first ones out every year in the playoffs. Yep, you see it every year. So. We're going to talk about another gimmick team in the game we're going to talk about next with Baltimore, but you saw what happened. The gimmick that is Seattle's offense this year got busted wide open because they had no offensive line, and Dallas took, took full advantage of that pass rush. Yeah, I, mean, I, I just hate because now you got all the Cowboys fans saying that, oh, Dak won the game. He did. I mean, he didn't have that great of a game either, but it's they're going to— like Trubisky didn't lose the game for, for uh, Chicago. We'll talk about that later, but— so, yeah, on to the Ravens and Chargers. What a awful game that actually kind of turned into something at the end. Yeah, okay. So, when I'm talking about gimmick offenses, folks, the Baltimore Ravens have the biggest gimmick offense in football. It is literally read option with Lamar Jackson, him throwing a couple darts and managing the game on their defense win games for him. And don't get me wrong, I love the Baltimore defense. C.J. Mosley is a grown-ass man. Terrell Suggs is going to be rushing the passer until he's 100. And <laughs> I love that secondary with Jimmy Smith and the boys. But here's the issue. Unfortunately, the Chargers have such a balanced offense, and Lamar Jackson literally looked like he was playing, he was doing the bird box challenge under center because some of those throws were fucking atrocious. I, I, I and I hate dropping F bombs on podcasts, but I had no other way to describe it. Like, Mark, one of those throws on fourth down, it literally was eight yards to the left of the receiver. I was like, what? What is that? Yeah, I mean, he tries to save himself with his legs, but everywhere he went yesterday, there was a charger waiting for him. And, like, the one play where he fumbled it without anybody touching him, picked the ball up, made it like a run, and then had an open receiver for first down, and he still missed it. And everyone's like, oh, well, that's what you can get out of Lamar. Uh, saves the play and makes something out of it. And it's like, no, he needs to hold on to the ball and be more he comfortable in the to, pocket. He needs an offseason to work on his mechanics. Oh, for sure. I don't think he I, – I, I would definitely it was happy that they didn't take him out. Because Listen, Flacco is not the answer. That that team gave up on Flacco. It's well, and not... if you put Flacco in there, then you got you're in Lamar's head for next year. 
There's no guarantee they were going to win that game if Flacco goes in there as it is. So keep yeah, your Lamar Jackson's future. 21 years old, dude. When I was 21 years old, I, my ego was fragile too. It's <laughs> it's it's like you want to tell a kid who just won the Heisman two years ago, oh, I'm going to replace him with some guy who's considered the most overrated quarterback of all time or one of the most. Like, Fl- there's a whole joke. Flacco's not elite, and it proves. Yeah, he had a great playoff run, but also let's not forget the receiving core he had and that defense on the other side of the ball. Like. Joe Flacco got handed a Lamborghini in a in an armored Humvee and said, "Hey, listen, I need you to get across this, like get get to the end zone." It's it's not like, come on, your slot receiver is one of the greatest return men of all time in Jacoby Jones. You had Torrey Smith and I can't, and Mike Crabtree. That's a loaded receiving core. Like M- Mark, you and me could probably have a couple touchdowns in that in a game if we had that receiving core. Like it's insane. So I, I still like as much as like I said, I don't think he should have went in there, but how wild would that have been if he pulled like a Nick Foles type moment, but went back to playoff Joe and just freaking ran out. I, I mean, know. like I said, they made the right decision. Though. But they've made the playoffs since then. They just have been, they've been garbage. So it's like, I don't know. I just, you know, I look at it like this. <clears throat> Lamar Jackson got his first day of the playoffs, looked bad, but then it's like in the fourth quarter, Jim, John Harbaugh, like stuck in the back of his head and turned the switch Dude's, like, getting the ball on the field, throwing bombs to his boy Crabtree, and I'm like, uh, oh, wait, huh? hold up, hold up, hold up here. Like, um, what just happened? Like, uh, I was watching this happen in slow motion. I'm like, oh, my God, the Chargers are going to blow another one. And then they then the Ravens fumble, and that was it. It really did. It was like, oh, my God, Phillip Rivers cannot finish. Like, the Chargers is just going to happen. And now it's like that they finally did it. It's like, ooh, maybe they – That uh... Russell Okung hold at the end, I was like, oh, my God, that is what's going to kill their season. Yeah, that was a tough one. All right, yeah, that's about it. You know what? Like, listen, the Ravens in the offseason, they need to keep the most personnel they can, and they need to go get a star running back. They like need, They should go get Le'Veon Bell. That would be hilarious first off. He would definitely do that just because of the – Oh, my God, and he would fit their offense perfectly. He's a patient runner who loves catching the ball out of the backfield. That would be like a dream for Lamar Jackson. And That'd they have awesome. the cap space to pay him. Like, put it here first, folks. He ain't going to Indy. He's going to Baltimore. I think that's a perfect fit for him. Yeah, they don't need him in India anymore. <laughs> yeah, because Marlon Mack turned into an actual like pro running back. All right, we're going to the sun. We're going to the final game, the game that Mark almost caused me to have a heart attack. And oh my god, it was. So- I did. What did I do? No, no, this game almost caused me to have. Oh, a heart I thought you meant that I caused. I was like, what? I, I didn't pick the. I didn't pick the Eagles to win, but it was all about reverse psychology. I didn't pick this game. Period. Because I, I listen, folks. This is why we don't do the corner booth. Because I will not pick, I will not pick an Eagles game to save my life. Because you know, I learned last year, you can't pick against the Eagles. You can't pick for the Eagles because you're losing either way, <laughs> and it just doesn't make sense. Like I will ne- like you know, you can never count on Nick Foles, but you can also never count on Nick Foles. You never know what the hell's going to happen anymore. So you know what? And before everyone goes, oh, it was all Jake Par- uh, Cody Parkey. First off, Mitch Trubisky had four count it, four near interceptions, two by Avante Maddox. One which he, if he just kept in feet, he caught it on the initial catch. It's a pick. The other one, if he was a step faster, he's housing that thing, and it's this that kick doesn't even happen. So, and there was a one that Trey Sullivan. I think there was another a one by Razul Douglas or somebody else in the secondary. But it was so Trubisky was atrocious. Yeah, the the he, fact that I saw people all over Twitter today just saying how. The Bears need to walk away from this and feel good because Trubisky put them in a situation to win the game. Yeah, I get that. They were in a situation where the field goal was hit, obviously makeable, but they shouldn't. They should have been down another three points. Like I said, I think it was Sullivan in the end zone at the end of ha- a half. Why? Well, like, I don't know Bennett, how he dropped that Michael Bennett penalty. That game of field yeah. goal. Yeah. That, so that, there were definitely that, situations that, where Trubisky did not look good. I mean, I don't, I'm not gonna. I'm not all out on him. I think he's he the luckiest quarterback in football. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. He's uh, one of the luckiest because there were some there were some plays. I'm just like, like the one touchdown he throws all game is the time is the one time that Avante Maddox bit on that sluggo route. I'm like, oh god. I'm still Bro, confused why teams don't run. I'm still confused why teams don't run double routes all day on us because we have proven our that we fall. So, for our corners are so aggressive. It's but crazy. Our corners are all, all think they're Asante Samuel from the old 08 Eagles, like just picking off everything and running back to the house. Or like Dante Hall back with his old Falcon days. Yeah. But 
for those of you who don't know f- football that well or like aren't really solid strategy, a sluggo route is when a receiver flakes a slant route with just three yard steps and go and cutting on a forty five degree angle towards the center of the field, but after the third step cuts back towards a fade route, which is essentially a go route, but fading towards the goal post, uh, fading towards the end zone. So that's a sluggo route, and Allen Robinson runs it almost better than anybody, and he literally cooked Devontae Maddox, who, by the way, I think at the, the highest or second highest cornerback efficiency, I think it was right behind Denzel Ward this year. The dude yeah, was like, he, he wasn't even playing. He only had two plays where he got, he got bit, he bit on it. But other than that, I didn't think he had a terrible game. Yeah, he had an amazing game. Like, everyone's going to talk about that touchdown, but I'm like, you realize he almost picked off Trubisky three times. Like, it wasn't yeah. like he had a bad game at all. Um, so we were talking about Trubisky real quick. I want to mention, and everyone's like, oh, Nick Foles, the magic's there. He didn't have a very good game either. I mean, he, he had that played, last drive. He played, he played like shit up until the last two minutes. I was going to say, was, that drive and then that pick in the end zone. I don't know where the hell, why he was throwing that. I, 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 like, I, I'm like, but this is what happens every year with Nick Foles. We saw, he played like crap against Atlanta last year too. It wasn't true. like. That is true. That was all right. I think who scored a touch, the only touchdown we had last year. It was like somebody like. Somebody obscure. Tip, well, I, don't, I don't remember who scored it, but I remember the play that won it for us is that interception that got tipped up and Torrey Smith caught for the first down. That I yeah. still think that won us the game. Yeah, it was the it was the knee immaculate reception or something like yep, that, or whatever exactly. they named. It was so corny. So the thing is, like, listen, it's the Eagles are going to win. It's always happens every year. The Eagles win some obscure on some obscure thing, and if if we're going to beat, even have a chance against. Uh, Against New Orleans. New Orleans isn't a team that runs a lot of double routes. They just have good route runners, and Breeze is accurate. They don't have to run double routes to get guys open. But the thing is, like, we have cornerbacks that actually finally match up with what New Orleans has. I would all day put Mike Thomas on Rosal Douglas because Douglas can run with him. I'm more worried about Douglas getting get crossed up on Mike Thomas, but Thomas isn't a fast receiver. Yeah. Smith, I would put on Maddox because, you know what, like, Max can run with anybody. He was keeping stride for stride with Gabriel the entire game. I was kind of blown away a little bit. Yeah. But going forward, you know what? Philadelphia play, gave, ha, played a C-plus game until the final two minutes, and they almost blew it at the end on, on, the, on that coverage. So, you know what? Like, <clears throat> Honestly, the Eagles should have been up at like 21 points, but they were lucky to come over there with the game. It's a typical Philadelphia first-round game. It's, they played like crap, but they ended up pulling up some magic because it's, you know, it's the Eagles in the playoffs. So, you know what? Whatever. That's my opinion. Yeah, that's a good way to wrap it up, the six-pack. I mean, I guess there's only a four-pack today, but we'll go. Uh, they're they're, they're, they're heavy-duty IPAs. Yeah, you have a little mix of matchers. But, yeah, so. All right, the next uh, segment that we always do after the six-pack is the rundown. The rundown. <laughs> and so, obviously, since it's a 45-minute show, we're going to uh, cut it down a little bit, and we'll start off with Ohio State. They just got the transfer, Justin Fields from Georgia, which means Haskins is declared now and he's going to the NFL. I love this. I think Haskins actually gives the rel- this quarterback class a little bit of relevancy. <clears throat> I think people are really slacking low in this class. I think that Will Greer is going to have a great career in the NFL cuz he's one of those guys who's got the maturity of an NFL quarterback like like throwing wise he's a gunslinger. He's going to throw picks but he fits an NFL system better than like I think Justin Hebert would have came out this year. Yeah. Because I think Hebert needs another year to cook in the cook in the oven, and I think Haskins will be play well because you know he's going to go to some system. I look at Haskins like a better Teddy Bridgewater, and it's only because they're both accurate passers who can shred a defense with a little mobility. But the problem is, I think Haskins is a better body, like size wise, for the NFL quarterback size play than uh, um, and Bridgewater. He almost reminds me a little bit also of. Uh, What's that dude who came out a couple years ago just threw straight darts? He's got a body type like actually like Darnold a little bit, which is good for his because Darnold's a big fellow too. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I guess I put him as a hybrid of Darnold and Bridgewater. I think it it's fine. Like the I was so excited when I saw it just because the draft nerd I am and we are because now there's a QB one. There's no more like he's he I right now I think he's gonna be there's gonna be like the trades for the number one pick are gonna be crazy because he's the only one that people want. But there's so much good talent on defense that's going to be in there. These these teams might not even want to trade back. I know. So here's the thing. I think that Haskins won't be the best performing quarterback out of this class. I think he's going to have the best career. But I think a guy like I'm, – I'm telling you, I your boy, Will Greer, I love him going to an NFL team like a late-round, first-round pick or a second-rounder. Like going to a Denver 
and just absolutely chucking bombs in the in the altitude because I feel like a guy like John Elway would love Will Greer because he just steps back, grips and rips. He, there's no he's a, he's a, he's Matthew Stafford. He stepped, oh don't do that to me. <laughs> no, but literally he's got that type. Yeah, I know you hate on it. Stafford, but listen, Stafford would have had a better career if he didn't have to deal with Caldwell and Schwartz for the first four years of his career. Listen, we love our boy Jimbo, but he's a defensive coordinator. He's not a head coach. Yeah. And that's why he literally turned down like four job offers this past year. Because he's like, dude, I want to stay in Philly. Like, why would I? I have a dream job. I get paid as much as some head coaches to coach that defensive line. Jim Schwartz is in heaven right now. Yep. So... But the thing is with Will Greer, I love the fact that he's chucking bombs and he just that that when he when you guys beat Texas, that guy I'm like this guy's gonna be an NFL talent because that throw literally just proved it to me right there. Mechanics yeah. were crap, but it was the guts that took that throw. Like I well, see. Well, I'm not disagreeing. Baker. Yeah, I'm not he's disagreeing. Still, he's, ba- he's Baker meets Stafford. Yeah, that's pretty good comparisons. He's not. I'm not saying he's not gonna do. I'm like I'm just saying draft wise, he's not gonna go. If he goes not, one, he's gonna. And then he's he's he got, late. He's going late first, early second. But, you know, he's going to make some team very happy. So, yeah. So, all right. All right. Next topic. We got some uh, new coaches already. I mean, season's still in the playoffs, but you got uh, the offensive coordinator for the Titans, Coach Matt LaFleur. He was previously with the Rams. He's been all over the place, actually, these past like five years. But he is supposed to be, and Rap Sheet talked about it, the new head coach for the Green Bay Packers because Aaron Rodgers got his guy. All right, you know what? <clears throat> I don't think it's the he- Mike McCarthy is a great coach. Let me. Aaron Rodgers is a diva. One, two. Nobody wants to play in the city of Green Bay because this is an ice wasteland with no culture, and the closest place to go with any live life with any wildlife is not like cheeseheads and moose. Is you gotta go to Milwaukee. <laughs> I, I the the whole state of Wisconsin. And listen, I love the whole folksiness of the Green Bay Packers, but they're like. <clears throat> I don't even know how to describe it. They're like the gin of the NFL. Like everyone's like, ah, it's it's good, but like nobody really says gin's their favorite drink. It's it's just there. I I, I can't stand the Packers. They're just so boring to me. Their fans drive me crazy. Cause they're like, oh, we're the original title town. I'm like, you guys won one Super Bowl in the last thirty years. Shut up. Mm-hmm. No, two in the last thirty years. But still, like it was one with Favre, one with Rodgers. Once Rodgers goes, they're gonna go to a a, a state of mediocrity because nobody wants to play there anymore. It's all about the experience when you play in a uh, play in a city. That's what te- that's why like New York, Philadelphia, L.A., Miami, New England. You go to win rings, but that might end soon. Like it's it's about the experience. And the Packers aren't such a dominant team where they can just say like, "Hey, look, old free agents want to come play here." Like Aaron Rodgers barely wants to play there anymore. Like, what the hell do you want? I mean. I just, you know what, it doesn't mean crap to me. I think LaFleur is a great coach. I just think, you know, it's going to be another 9-7 and seven season because you got to deal with the Bears. you got to deal with a really ticked-off Vikings team. And I guarantee you the Lions going to be a lot better next year with the second year under Patricia with my boy Matt Stafford. So, I, I don't know. I just, you know what, honestly, I love the move. I just think it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know what, you got to fix the culture board for you. I mean, you need a driver, but. I just think it's not really going to do much going forward unless they make some serious moves in the offseason. Yeah, I agree, because I thought it was kind of like a <laughs> premature move, because Matt LaFleur, I mean, he's not really been stuck around and, like, gave a name for himself. Uh, also, one thing, the Titans' offense was useless some games until Derrick s- Henry decided to start running the ball. I saw something great. It was like, oh, what a great pickup, because the uh, Titans' offense was something to watch, which is the most sarcastic thing. I loved it. Well, but, I mean, uh, also, but it's like, you know, yeah, Marcus Marietta was, like, injured half the season, but literally – LaFleur, LaFleur better write like a giant check to Derrick Henry because literally he probably got him that job those last four weeks. Yep. <clears throat> and speaking of jobs, we have another one, Bruce Arians, uh, another one that's supposed to be the new head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and supposedly Todd Bowles is following him there to be the defensive coordinator. I, I, lo- I love this. I love this. You know why? That because combo. Arians is the most br- – if, if there was a head coach who was 65 years old and had my personality, it's Bruce Arians. The dude cusses like a sailor, loves chucking the ball deep, believes you should only run the ball, and he just wants to run the ball down your throat the other half. All this dink and dunk, it's screen passes and bombs. I love it. Jameis Winston is probably like in his apartment right now doing backflips because if there was ever a quarterback who would, who would utilize the talents of Jameis Winston, even though he has the intelligence of a potato on the football field, he literally... like. The dude has an arm, all right. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. 
Yeah, they're going to lose Deshaun Jackson in the offseason, but they still have Mike Williams. They have Godwin. They can go get another speedster out in the, in the draft. Oh, look, and you got O.J. Howard, too. That's a great team. I'll take that with Bruce Arians. You kidding me? Give me Tampa Bay as a wild card team next year if they can get themselves another speed receiver and keep that defense together. Because Bowles knows defense. I love this. Oh, yeah. I think I think Bowles is kind of like a, a Jim Schwartz. Like, he just wasn't meant to be the head coach. Also, he, but, went, to, he went to the New York Jets. He was destined to fail. That's true. I'm curious, though, if Arians was like, when he did the interview, was like, if they asked him, they are like, all right, Jameis has to be your guy, though. Like, you have to stick with him. Because I feel like Arians is not a – and Jameis Winston aren't going to be well, two peas in a pie. Well, the thing is, like, Arians – Arians is not, like, Belichick or – Arians is kind of like a really grumpy Doug Peterson where he doesn't need you to be a cerebral dude. He needs you to just know football and have good instincts. But like, you just, I mean, I think Jameis Winston's IQ is not terrible. Doug has kind of, like, worked with, like, guys – like, Foles and Wentz are, like, are smart quarterbacks. But you got to realize, like, with Winston – there's so much raw talent there, even though he's just an idiot. Like, so yeah, I actually don't think his football IQ is that his bad. I think great. He's, his mental IQ is like yeah, a four. Yeah, it's a, yeah, four is being nice. Yeah, come on. There's a crab like crab likes and eat a W. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just in awesome a Miami guy. So, you know, I hate anything that's associated with Florida State that doesn't play for Philadelphia. But <laughs> um, essentially, I look at it like this. I love it because you know what. They were terrible with Dirk Cutter, and he just looked lost when he was using Winston. He looked better when he had Fitzmagic out there. And what's great about this is you just have Jameis chucking bombs. Listen, if anything else, it's going to be entertaining, man. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like it's going to be like it's going to be like early this season, but they're not going to be beating teams. They're going to be like in shootouts with every team they play. It's going to be awesome to watch. Yep. <clears throat> All right, and then we'll wrap it up. We had two more, but we'll try. I, don't, I mean, other than we're, I was going to mention Greg Schiano going to he's leaving. He, he's 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 done with football. Nobody wants to use him. He sucks. Bye. Yeah. So then the last one we'll go with. There's all this hype with Mister Cliff Kingsbury. He might leave USC, get bought out or something because he doesn't want to coach head oh uh, office coordinator. And then they might either go to the Jets. They're talking about they got all the teams. Possible Patriots offensive coordinator. What are your thoughts? I don't understand it. The Pac-12 is dying, and it's hilarious. Yeah, that used to be a coach, dream job. Nobody wants to coach at USC anymore. Their boosters are idiots. They lo- they're losing recruiting battles to teams from South Florida, North Texas, you name it. Like Teams are coming into a lot in California, picking dudes off so fast. It's, it's just, you know, like, USC, Darnold was their last shot, really. Unless they start getting a bunch of new dudes. I just, you know, it's not a glamour job anymore. It's, this is like when, like, you know, college football has always been a cyclical kind of thing. Like, Alabama was crap for, like, 20 years. You, Miami was crap for 15 years. It, it goes, like, Auburn was crap for 15 years. Texas has been crap for the last 15 years. It's, everything goes through a cycle. All right? Like, <clears throat> everything, every 15, 20 years, like, that's why I think Alabama's dynasty is about to end soon. Because, you know, it's like, you know, once Saban retires, they're screwed. And, like... The same thing with, like, you know, Texas. Is, it took a while after Mac Brown got old. But, like, now Texas is back to being a do- good program again. And USC has had this run that has stayed alive from Matt, from Carson Palmer to somehow through Sam, Sam Darnold where they've been relevant. But now it's like, um, okay, how many more times are we going to be able to survive on Mark Sanchez's and John David Booty's and Matt Barkley's before we realize that, like, we can't win in a conference where Oregon somehow seems to just stick around every year and Washington's the dominant program. Now you have Mike Leach at Washington State. Yeah, the North is just a thousand times better. I'm waiting for Stanford's head coach, David Shaw, to leave because he knows that whole conference is going to be run by the Northwest in a couple of years. And you got Colorado, who's always just USC just seems like the least fun job to be at because you've got to deal with boosters. And yeah. it's this tradition, the fight on BS and whatever. And it's just like you know what I don't know. It's just it's not a it's not a it's like Notre Dame. It's a dying job. I just don't understand the Cliff Kingsbury hype. I will never understand it. Nick Wright said on uh, the herd he was saying he said he said not to be weird or anything, but he doesn't think if Cliff Kingsbury was an ugly human being that he would be getting all these jobs. He got fired from Texas Tech in the Big Twelve, and now he's like this sought out 
offensive genius that's going to like take over and do well. Like I, I, I don't understand it. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I'm like, I'm trying to understand too, because it's like you get fired from a program that's known for just dropping 60 burgers every game. Like, like I get the offensive mind, but I don't see him going to the jets and making them good. I can see him being an offensive coordinator somewhere. Like I told the USC job was actually pretty good. I, I would love, I, know, I would love if like Manny Diaz called him up, like let him just like work with Nicosi Perry. Like crap, I'll take that. Like, but that's it. Like I don't see him being a college uh, NFL OC, and he needs to cut his teeth first. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if he went to the Patriots, though, I'd be that'd be weird. I, that'd be crazy. I just well, don't know why would he go there though with Tom. Well, Brady? first of all, where's McDaniel's going? Like, is he gonna leave? Like, oh, that's true. I mean, I think there was like lots of talk with him and uh, the Packers, so that probably died out. But yeah, so that uh, wraps up the rundown. All right, weekend. It's now time for the report card. All right, here we go. First off, uh, I got the news yesterday during the uh, Eagles-Bears game, so I was not really upset about it. I still, I'm not. I talked to actually our boy, sports writer and editor here, Belly of Kevin Langley, about this, and he was asking my opinion. I told him, like, listen, Tibbs was, was great, but let's be honest, he had a he literally had so much talent to work with, and did nothing. He made the first round. and got their ass kicked. Like. If anything, if anyone deserves, we've Minnesota's really only had one f- head good head coach in their history, and he's coached there twice. It's Flip Saunders. Like Flip Saunders is the one who got Kevin Garnett, Tom Gugliotta, Latrell Sprewell, all these guys, and then comes back, resurrects a dead organization, brings in Wiggins, Levine, Gorgie Jang, our and probably the one of the best big men in basketball in the last ten years, Carl Anthony Towns. Him and Embiid are just in Giannis. It's just it's greatness between those guys. And then you also bring in Derrick Rose. You find him off this nowhere off the bench. And actually, no, Rose was Tibbs. I'll give Tibbs that for credit. But, and you also, like, like, the thing is with, like, this is why, like, I wasn't really upset. I love Flip Saunders. I was so upset when he died because I wore my KG jersey for, like, the next two days over two different shirts. I was just so upset because this guy resurrected my basketball team from nothing. And Tibbs... Literally got handed the keys to a Lamborghini's worth of talent and crashed it a couple times. Because you're telling me you can't make the playoffs as a 7 or 8 seed in the West with a deep bench and three really good young stars? The fact they didn't make the playoffs with Levine, with Levine, Wiggins, and Towns, who had so much chemistry, the three of them. Oh, let's go get my boy Jimmy Butler, who almost imploded that locker room. I, I just, I don't get it. I agree. Minnesota, I give an A for this. Yes, it sucks for Derrick Rose and Taj Gibson, who were who are both Tibbs guys. But Carl Anthony Towns played the most minutes than any big man last year, and he was worn out by the playoffs. That's not good. So yeah. I I love it. I love I love the move. You know what? And Saunders' kid is now the coach. I th- I think this guy is Saunders' kid. I'll have to check. But the last name is Saunders, so I'm, I'm assuming because he works for the Timberwolves, there's some connection. I'll find out. But I love it. You know, this is fine. Tibbs had to go. It wasn't working, and I, I like the Minnesota Timberwolves being proactive and getting rid of them now, rather than waiting to the end of the season when they're like the eight, the t- nine or ten seed in the West at five hundred and they're not making the playoffs. So I love it. A, a minus to me. I'm gonna give it a B plus just because. I mean, that's just like a move that doesn't really. I don't. I mean, it's good they're, because it seems like you need to be one. What are you gonna do? Keeping mediocre yeah. for the rest of the season? But. It's also funny, though, real quick. I don't know if you've heard who the supposable next candidate is, but it might be Fred Hoiberg, which is hilarious because he's the one that replaced Tibbs in Chicago, so that would be really random. But yeah. Well, he's more of an offensive guy, which works in Minnesota. Minnesota's got so much deep. Like, the thing is with Tibbs, yeah, he got the defense. He, he, he showed Carl Anthony Towns he's going to play defense. That's great. But here's the thing. they could Minnesota's offense is literally chuck up threes and attack the basket like – like psychopaths. That's literally their entire offense. And it's okay, but it's not going to beat like good structured teams like Boston or like uh, Golden State, which is the yeah. whole point. They want Minnesota to win a title, which they have the talent to if they get one more, one or two more pieces. But like, and if, if Golden State continues to sub, slowly self implode, but <clears throat> yeah, I, I agree. I think, I mean, it's a good move. They need to do it. Uh, yeah, I, I love it. Uh, you know what? It's it, it, you know it's with what the situation was. I love it. Yep. All right. Next All right. Grade. Speaking of Jimmy Butler, Mark, your boys, your Sixers, man. Like, there's just more, more and more stuff coming out every day about Butler having troubles in the locker room and <clears throat> and over the head coach. 
Right in in Philadelphia's, I mean, it's the East, so you know you're never really out of it unless you completely tank. So, I what do you grade Jimmy Butler's time so far in in uh in Philadelphia right now? I'm gonna give it a B minus because it is definitely like there's a lot more hope with him there because I mean obviously he's Jimmy Butler and he's made some crazy buzzer beaters already, but I just I don't understand who he thinks he is. He thinks, and I wrote I wrote a whole article about this. It got like no love, and I was kind of ticked about it. <laughs> it was about Jimmy Butler and the Minnesota Timberwolves. I don't even think it got posted, honestly. So maybe I'll throw it out there now that I have uh, to go ahead and do that. Apparently, um, literally, I wrote in the article, and you guys will see as I guess I'll post it this week. But Jimmy Butler tries to come off like he's a Kobe Garnett type, a alpha dog, get in your face, scream at you, but. And Kevin Garnett interviewed him on on uh, Area 21, which I love that segment, by the way. Kevin Garnett's my dude. But he came off very genuine, which I, I did appreciate. And he was like, listen, I, I loved Cat Wiggins. I talked to these dudes still. And, I mean, that's probably a lie. But, like, hmm. here's the thing with Butler. And he has to realize Garnett had clout to yell at teammates in Boston. He had to yell on his phone. Because the dude won an MVP and got his team to the playoffs like four times in the early 2000s. Essentially by himself when the second best player on his team was Wally Zerbiak. So, like, Garnett had a clout to do that. Butler has been the second best team. When, when the last time Char was really that relevant and were really good, Derrick Rose was their best player and won the MVP. Butler has never really led a team and just been so dominant where you're just like, oh, my God. Like, when you think of Kevin Garnett, you thought of the best power forward in the league, him and Duncan, always duking out for that title. And you thought about him taking on the Lakers and almost single-handedly taking them out. You saw about him being a 6'11 guy who dribbled like a point guard. <clears throat> he had an Anthony Davis kind of vibe, but he was just more violent and more angry and better trash talker. With yeah. Butler, he just seems like a, a prick. Yeah, he seems like he's like, a tool. Yeah, he's just like, he thinks he's like Jordan, but he wears like 23 years Jordan. But like, he's got the talent of like a really bad, a really crappy Scottie Pippen. And yeah, it, it's annoying. It really is. Like, just cause, like I was I said, underwhelmed. Listen, I loved like his defense, but his offensive skill set. I was underwhelmed when he was in Minnesota. I'm like, this is what we gave up Zach Levine and Chris Dunn for, like, and that that tall marketing guy. Like, this is it. Like, the dude can't hit a three to save his life unless the game's on the line, which I mean is okay. But yeah, he's not like, not the most athletic guy on the planet. Like Wiggins can out jump him. He's not like the best like passer. He's not like a great teammate. Like, what's the appeal? He's not an elite player. Like it's like he's like he's a superstar, but I think it's more hype than is actually substance. And I think Philadelphia is exposing that now because honestly, he's the third most talented guy on that roster. Yeah, I I, I, I agree. I, he even he'll admit that he's not the most talented, but for some reason, he thinks he, that by him saying things and being like obnoxious. I mean, who knows what actually is true and what's not true? I mean, everything gets blown up by the media, but like in general, that shouldn't be a thing. Like you should, if you want your team to get better, you have have to have learned by now. That you being a head case is not helping. Yeah, and you know what? Honestly, I look at it like this: you can't. And you're starting to see why you're. You see, you're seeing why I was so happy when we got rid of him. You're starting. I mean, to see I'm still why. not. I'm, I said I'm still happy he's there. I just hope. I don't. I don't know. We'll see what happens after the season if he sticks well, around. I mean, I just want to show. I, like, you even look like yeah. That's now that Tim has gone. Look for Minnesota. I think Minnesota might be better now. But Towns and Wiggins. And look, and Rose look like, and I even Okoye, our rookie, these guys look like doubled up versions of themselves from when when Butler was on the court. Yeah. And I just, and you know what, like in Wiggins, uh, yeah, Wiggins had that one game where he missed every shot he took, but Wiggins is just Wiggins, man. He's a weird dude. He needs a, a coach who's going to run with him. I think that's the other reason I love this firing of Tibbs because Tibbs and Wiggins just never got along. But I love this. I, I mean, I love it in the fact that, like, Minnesota look, look, comes off looking even better now because Butler is just – it looks like – it's like you can't get along with Joel Embiid. You can't hate Joel Embiid. Yeah, unless you're on the other team. It's hard to hate him. Yeah, he, like, come on. The dude knocks the ball up through the basket after the play gets blown dead. He's just hilarious. He's just being funny. He's yeah. – Joel Embiid's a clown, but, like, he backs it up when he plays. He just has fun. And Ben Simmons, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's got to stop just hanging with Kendall – I mean, he, he hangs with my girl Kendall Jenner, so I mean, I, I respect him for it. But like, you can like him, but she, you can like her, but he's not allowed to. She's listen, she's she's just as much of a cancer as Jimmy Butler is right now. You know what the worst thing is? Like, she's like the least Kardashian Kardashian, but because she's part of that family, everyone hates her. 
She's still she's still a Kardashian. That's the problem. She might not talk and be as obnoxious at him, but she definitely still has the, the pull. I, which I was still the respect reason. the hell out of her. So, you know, I don't care. That girl pulls down more money than most athletes do, and she just is a good model. So whatever. But yeah, no, I give the Jimmy Butler thing. I give it a C minus. Butler's time in in, uh, in Philly because besides those game winners, I'm like they're still the same team. I'm not. They're not like. I thought Butler would put them over the edge and make yeah. them better than every other team in the East, but they're still behind Milwaukee. They're still behind Boston. Uh, like, where's the pizzazz? They're still yep. behind Toronto, who is playing with half the talent Philadelphia has. And I'm just like, I'm like, uh, okay, where's this money? Where's all the, where's this good player that you guys traded away two really good pieces for? But whatever. I get a C minus. Uh, next up. Staying in Philadelphia, ironically, uh, Bryce Harper will be rumored to meeting again with the Phillies on Saturday. Dude, you might be you might be having another superstar come to your city, Mark. How are you feeling? I feel pretty good. I'm going to give it a. I think the team, if he were to get there, obviously he raises your uh, level of ability a lot, and, and your level player. of intensity and hustle. Like he's a he's a lot. He's a he's a he's a guy you want in your locker room. Yeah, so I think it would make it would bring. I think this, the Phillies are around a C plus. I think I'm not. I'm not going to put him in an A if he's there. I will go to B plus again, just because I think he that short porch in right field is would be awesome. Uh, I would he be going to a lot bombs. of games. Yeah, so he'd be hitting triple deckers, not double deckers. But yeah, I think it'd be B plus. I think it's. I'm not gonna. I don't want to get too excited because it's not. It didn't officially happen. It's just meeting still. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think B plus. Well, the thing is so funny, and we, that report came out last week. I think we covered it about how Bryce didn't like Philadelphia, but yet you're talking about him going back there for a meeting. I, I get much why Machado didn't like Philadelphia, but I think that's kind of Bryce's town because it's working class. It's hardworking. It's a kind of a beat up kind of town, which is kind of Bryce's MO. Bryce is a hard, hard, uh, is a heart and hustle kind of guy. Yeah. He hits bombs, but he also dives head first in the home plate and like calls out pitchers for beating him. He's not like a, he's more of a working class all-star than he is like a, like one of these like 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 Robinson Cano Manny Machado types. So I, I like the move. I give it if they can get him. I give a I give it an A minus. If they can't, I give it. I give the Phillies like a they're like a B minus team right now because that division's getting weaker. Because if Bryce doesn't go to Philly, he's going out of that division. It just makes him a more a better contender to go up against um, Atlanta. And last but not least, this will take us to where we'll cut off the national championship game. And then we'll get out of here. Um, what was your great wild card weekend? This week, because I loved it. I was just saying, I'm going to give it an A. Everyone that was shitting on it, I didn't understand. I was like, okay, yeah, some defensive battles. I guess it was just because it's like if you didn't have your team in it, you kind of was like not as fun to watch. But, I mean, it wasn't like it was bad. I mean, I guess there was some bad play on the quarterback's part. But the defenses were good. They were all entertaining. Like, the games were still interesting, other than maybe the Colts-Texans. But all the games were interesting. They were all close. Like, I don't, I don't know. You know what? I hate I love defense. You know this. I love defensive games. I love when it's like pick sixes and, you know, quarterbacks getting hit and it's crazy and it's out of control and the games are wild, but they're not like out of – see, I hated I, – I mean, it was entertaining, but I hated the Kansas City-LA game because I'm like, God, if the NFL turns into this, I might as well just put flags on everybody. So I love this. It, it's restored balance to the force, if you will, with that analogy. I give it an A+. Plus. I love it. It was what the NFL needed after that. And the NFL, listen, the NFL has gotten so damn physical since that LA, LA-Kansas City game. And it makes me so happy because it was like everything got reverted. It's like how life finds a way to balance itself out. The NFL has gotten so defensive. You had like seven or eight guys rush for 1,000 yards this year. It's like incredible. Like I love it. Running the football and defense are winning games, and it makes me so happy. Yeah, like I said, it was good football. It's kind of the whole end of the season is kind of reverted to this. The offense has kind of calmed down. Um, but, yeah, I thought, like I said, I'll give it a, hey, it was just a good weekend of football. And I think this weekend, like everyone said, you have no idea who's going to win. It's just that, that's what makes it the best. And this, I, t- I knew this playoffs was going to be just insane. Like, if you pick a Super Bowl guy, like, I, I jokingly picked the Chargers. I still think they're mo- the most complete team that made the playoffs. Yep. From top to bottom, like, Utah, I think they're more complete than the Saints. Or the yeah. or the or the Rams because they have depth to go along with their offense and they can run the ball consistently and they don't rely on gimmicks sometimes like the Saints do with like Kamara running like out routes and stuff like I, I like 
They can they they play old school football and they still score points out of it. And they've got a quarterback who wants that title before he's too old to get that title. So I love it. I still think this Chiefs the the, um, the Chargers are the most dangerous team right now. Uh, I give it an A plus. I love it. All right, we got about five minutes left. So Mark, for last call, you and me are just going to go over this. We're going to talk about the national championship game. It's actually going to go live in about an hour from when we're recording right now, but. What are your thoughts on the game, man? Well, we were talking about defense, and this game has the top two defenses other than, I guess, you could. there's always, like, Georgia. But I think it's going to be – I hope it's not a shootout. I don't think it will be because these defenses, even though Clemson's missing three guys on their line because of whatever they did. But uh, I think it's going to be a good one. I hope it's a good one, I guess I'm trying to say. I think Clemson's got the quarterback to keep up with Tua. I mean, if Tua seems like his ankle's healthy from the last game – I think that Bama's still going to pull it off, but I can see it being like a 31-28 Bama scores like late or something. I actually, and I'm going to catch hell for this, I picked Clemson. I said, and I actually had a legit reason today, and one of my coworkers laughed at me, and I told him why. I said, listen, who besides Georgia has Alabama played this year? that would give you anything to reason they are the best team in college football. Because Georgia just got whooped by Texas. The, the score wasn't reflective about who won that game because Texas looked like they were winning the entire... Texas just couldn't stop them because it's a Big 12 team. But, like, George, if, if Texas had any kind of defense, that game would have been, like, 24-7. But the fact that Texas can't play defense, they still won. So, who besides Georgia has Alabama played this year? That's my point. Yeah, two has lit up a scoreboard against the Citadel and Old Miss and Mississippi State. Oh, God. They didn't play Florida as much as I hate admitting they're good. I don't like... Oh, my God. They play Georgia, but Georgia is an okay team. They're not as good as everyone thought they were. Fromm's overrated, I think. And that team without Michelle and Chubb looks like kind of like they can't run the ball. I just... You know what? I picked Clemson because of the simple reason that Davo Sweeney is like the Antichrist to Nick Saban. Like, Saban, I guarantee, even though he doesn't say it, he despises the fact that Davo literally is there every year with this wild and crazy Clemson team. They're always there every year. They're always in this game. And, oh, look, they knocked knocked him out. Deshaun Watson beat him. And how great would it be for Trevor Lawrence to walk in there and – Alabama has one risky has well, like Tua gets hit and the ball's out and it's one turnover that leads to a field goal and that field goal is the difference. I picked 38-35 with my score. I'm sticking by it. I love this game. I think I'm gonna be watching it like I'm gonna split screening it out with finishing a Red Dead Redemption 2, full honesty. Or I might just honestly do Red Dead for the first half and then go to the game afterward. Because that game is amazing, by the way. Um I finally beat it after two months. But <laughs> I like I love this. I I'm so happy I got the day off tomorrow because I'm gonna stay up and watch the whole damn thing. And I think that we are in for a treat. I think this is gonna be an amazing game. I think I think everyone talking about Alabama is unbeatable. I think their schedule was unbeatable. There wasn't their schedule won them those games because they played what Georgia and that was it. Like yeah. they the fact that they were tied at the half to Citadel means this team can get lazy. And the fact that everyone's picking Alabama, but they're ignoring the fact that they haven't played anybody. There's like, it, it cracks me up. Like maybe just because I'm a contrarian sometimes, but I look at this like, and maybe it's because I got a little Clemson, Clemson blood in my system. My grandfather went there, but I look at it like this. Like you're trying to tell me that a team that's barely played any solid competition all year is going to just whoop the best, one of the best like teams in the East Coast for the past 10 years. It's yeah. just like the Taj Boyd days. Clemson's been a dominant offense, and now they have a defense to go with it. Yeah, I think this is like, I think, I think Dabo Sweeney's done a great job. I think he is the right to. I mean, if, if they win this year, Clemson just turned into this insane powerhouse that people are going to want to go to. And like and, you said, it all started with back with Taj Boyd, and I think that we're gonna tonight's going to be a lot of the future. I mean, with Clemson, you said you, you think uh, I'm, Bama's kind of... I'm going to put a little uh, theory in. We're going to end on this quick because we all got about three minutes left. And I, I completely agree with you, though, because this makes this makes the ACC relevant. And you've got my boys down in South, in South and Coral Gables getting 
the most Miami head coach possible. The guy's dad was the mayor of Miami. And he's he's a 4-3 defensive guy. He's like the Latino Jimmy Jones, and I love that. Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson, but, I was just saying. But, and then you also have North Carolina State, which has just come out of nowhere to be dominant and, like, be a good team. And then you've got, uh, you've got Virginia, who's now relevant. You've got Virginia Tech, who's always going to be around. You've got Boston College, which I think they were a fluke this year. But they're still, like, an okay team. The ACC is slowly creeping up on the ICC because besides Alabama, the, the SEC is garbage. They're still better than the Big Ten because the Big Ten is just atrocious. Yeah, but, yes and no because, I mean, they're still – the, we'll see, like I said. And there's I always, think you know, in, as much as I hate acknowledging their existence, that crappy that, that, that crappy garbage town from team from Tallahassee, they're, they're relevant every couple of years. Like, I, And they won a national title, unfortunately, a couple of years ago with a team that literally half of their starters play in the NFL now. Half of them play for Philadelphia, ironically. But I just – you know what? Listen, I'm telling you, the ACC, look, the ACC, if if Miami can get their stuff together, and same thing with North Carolina State and Virginia Tech and Pitt and Virginia, don't be surprised if in a couple years, maybe two or three, and once, once Saban and Alabama start losing their appeal, because I think if, they, if, if, if Clemson takes this game, this shifts the power in the conferences. Because now the SEC isn't this dominant conference anymore. And let's be honest, one more factor we're, we're missing here, as we got about a minute left, is that Kelly Brown was the quarterback for Clemson last year. Kelly Brown's an okay guy, but he needs he needed more development. And I think Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence is clearly a better quarterback than Kelly Bryant. I want to see what Trevor Lawrence does, who's a more of a Deshaun Watson-style pro quarterback. I think Lawrence can have a great career in the NFL. I want to see what he does attacking that secondary of Alabama, which is kind of a gimmick secondary. You saw what happens with D. Milliner or any of these cornerbacks go to the NFL. The safeties from Alabama are always amazing, but the cornerbacks are always atrocious. So uh, Marlon Humphrey's okay just because he's a good run stopper, but I love it. Mark, any last things? Oh, uh, yeah. Last thing is just Dabo put Lawrence in here in the fourth game of the season because he knew that came down to this game, he knew he would rather have Lawrence than Kelly Bryant so he can throw the ball. We're going to find out tonight. If that decision pays off, we'll talk to you guys about it on Thursday. Obviously, it's gonna the game's gonna happen, and you'll hear our predictions after the game. But yeah. Well, you know what? Listen, we'll just we'll know that I'm always right because that's just what happens. But I mean, listen, folks. I hope you enjoyed our first shorter podcast today. I am Jared. That's Mark. Watch the championship game. Watch some football. Have a great week. We'll see you guys at the end of the week on Thursday. This episode of The Corner Booth has been brought to you by Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Follow your hosts on Twitter at Belly Up Jared and at Mark Riley.